Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue our Essentials for a Follower of Christ. We'll look at godly speech, the power of words. I'm sure that that each of us have struggled with that at some point where we may have said something that we wish we could get back. Uh, we'll be in the book of Colossians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. And we'll spend quite a bit of time in James chapter 3. Uh, we hope that you enjoy the essentials of a follower of Christ. Uh, you can find the rest of the studies available online. But let's go ahead and get into godly speech, the power of words. Here's the first half of this three-part study. We'll be honest with you, there's probably something within this study that each of us have to learn. Uh, we've all allowed the power of our words to any husband in here knows at some point you, you may have said something and you know immediately when you say it that, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, and, but we also want to talk about how our words can encourage and edify. Uh, and so that's what we're going to deal with today is godly speech and the power of words. So we've looked at sin, uh, dealing with sin, uh, recognizing sin, confessing it, repenting, turning away from it. And, and within that, that sin, uh, repentance bears fruit. We've already looked at prayer, uh, learning to listen and to uh, speak to God. And uh, we've looked at living God's word daily. So one of the things we were, I asked her uh, this, this evening was, what is the worst hurtful thing that somebody has said to you in your lifetime? Think about that just for a second. Was it, was it a parent, a teacher, a grandparent, a family member that you still hang on to this day? I can remember and I had took time as I was preparing the study. I was like, man, the one thing I always remember, even though my dad was teasing me, he would always say, you're from the postman. You don't look like any of the other kids in this house. And I didn't. I had blonde hair and blue eyes. My brothers had dark hair, dark eyes, and I was the only one. And my brothers decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say some more stuff about that too. And they were like, yeah, man, you're not part of this family. And when you got twins, it's like having speakers on because they're both going at you. And I grew up with that from age six to seven, and I just remember that. And I remember it just hurt as a kid. But what is it that was for you? Have you ever heard from your parent, I wish you were more like your brother 
That's the worst thing you can say to your kids. Because there's only one of them. And God has created them uniquely them. I wish you were more like your sister. Or maybe, oh, I wish you were like her husband. Or why can't you be like his wife? Those things you can't take back once they're said. When we look at our words, our words have power. As kids, we heard sticks and stones may break your bones, but words would never hurt, and that's a lie. I believe verbal abuse is, is, can cause just as much damage as physical. It damages a child as they're growing up in the home if they're verbally abused. Their value, their, their worth... It's, it's tough because, you know, we've all had things that have been said to us that are hurtful. And what we look at today is when we look at these things and we think about just that one thing that was said to you that you... How many years has it been that it was said? A year from now? Was it a year last year? Was it five years ago? Was it ten years ago? Right? But it still hurts tonight. And it's just a reminder how powerful our words can be. And that's really what we're looking at tonight is, is, is our speech. And that it should have grace and be seasoned with salt. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, this is funny because what Paul is talking about, he's talking about, he's giving this to, to unbelievers. But I think for us as believers, we need to listen to this as well. Because he's telling us when we're around unbelievers, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. Let your speech always be grace, be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. See, Paul is saying when you're around people who don't know Christ, you need to have your, your speech with grace and seasoned with salt. It, it, that salt, it, it attracts thirst. They want to hear more. It actually preserves. So if somebody's dealing with a boss that's cursing them out, you can encourage them. You're giving them grace with, with salt. You're saying, hey, you know what? You made a mistake. It's okay. You learn from it. You encourage them. Even though the boss didn't do that, you can encourage them. But I think for us too is when we look at this as, as our walks and talks with Christ, that's kind of what we were looking at last week as Paul was talking about putting off stuff and putting on stuff. Part of that is the way that we talk to each other. If we can't do it with each other in, in our homes and our marriages, if it's not practiced there first, how are we supposed to do it within the church and outside the church? When we talk about discipleship, discipleship begins in your house with your family, and your marriage. That's where it starts. You practice it there. And, and if you don't practice it there, then what happens is your kids suffer for it. Because they don't see what it is to have somebody walking with God in their home. So our walk and talk has to be seasoned with salt and with grace. And we have to practice that. We have to practice that at home and with our kids. But he's saying, hey, when you're around unbelievers, are you talking like unbelievers? 
Like you get around the work workforce or the workplace, are you cursing up a storm just like they are? They start telling jokes and you go, hey, I got one for you too. Like they don't even know you're a believer because your speech doesn't represent that. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's like your walk and your talk has to be, has to be on point. Are you turning unbelievers away from God by your speech? Is your speech reckless? Is your speech uncaring? See, what Paul is talking about is he's talking about let your speech always be, gra- uh, always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. He's talking about walking wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. And he's like, when you're redeeming the time, you are buying opportunity to share Christ. And part of that is by the way that you talk to people outside your house. The people that you work with. The people that you're in your community with. Our speech should always be gracious. And if your speech is not gracious, you need to, you need to repent. You need to own it. You need to confess it. You need to confess it to God first and then you need to ask that person for forgiveness. See, so many times what we do is we focus on the vertical. I mean, the the horizontal. Meaning that what we're focused on is we're trying to hurry up and mend the fences that we hurt. And that's not what God's wanting us to do. He's wanting us to get right with Him first. Because to repent, you're turning from that thing to God. And then God will give you the words to say, hey, look, I, I need to ask for forgiveness. I, I'm sorry. We need to own it. See, our, our speech should be full of grace. Our words should be marked with grace, with compassion, with kindness. Not marked by criticism and anger and bitterness. And he's saying, hey, if this is happening in front of unbelievers, what are you doing? Like, are you pretending in front of the believers? Do you put on that... Do you start talking that Christianese in front of believers? But when you get around unbelievers, they have no idea that you're a follower of Christ. Because you talk just like they talk. And that's what he's, he's trying to get at here. He's like, Paul's saying, hey, what you do... And, and that's even through the book of Colossians. He's like, everything you do... You're putting off this stuff, you're putting on this stuff, and you're walking and talking, and you're a billboard for Jesus Christ. That's what you are. And he says you're to be seasoned with salt. To be seasoned with salt actually means in the Greek that it was a saying that they would actually use during the time that that person's speech was seasoned with salt, meaning that there was intellect and insight behind it. And, and that's something for us to, to take, take note of. See, if, if we're somebody who, for instance, I've seen this all the time. People will have a subject online uh, when they're with the Word of God. And they'll have a blog that goes out or they'll have something that they go out to share. And somebody will jump on and start doing a video. It'll show up on TikTok, Instagram, or whatever it is, and they never read the blog. Never. There is no intellect. 
There was no insight in what they were talking about. And that's what Paul is saying. That's why there are times when you come to me, look, if, if you ask me, like if you were to ask me tonight about premillennialism, I would tell you, look, I need to go back and refresh and we'll talk about it next week. Or I'll call you and we'll talk about it tomorrow. I don't want to sit and ramble about something that I'm trying to remember back two years ago when I studied at Liberty University. Because there's no intellect in that. There's no insight in that. So I would rather tell you, hey, I need to get back with you. I'll call you tomorrow and we'll talk about it. Or I'll meet with you and we'll talk about it. That's what he's talking about. Like, you don't have to answer everything in that moment. You need to have intellect and insight because if it's seasoned with salt, it's seasoned with grace, you can wait. Sometimes we don't have the answers when somebody who's an unbeliever is asking a question. You may not know the answer. Don't ramble on like you know it. Just be honest with them and say, you know what, that's a great question. I need to read. Let me read about it. Let me get back with you. Because they'll, they'll respect that more than you, than you just rambling on without intellect or insight. And the last thing you need to do is jump on Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok and you just start just rambling on about this subject and you never read the blog. You never even heard the argument. You didn't even watch the video. I think that's why they ask you now, do you want to read this? Right? Some of those things, actually, did you want to read the article before you comment? Maybe you should have a little intellect, a little insight before you dive into this. That's what Paul is talking about here. Because when you have insight and intelligence in the response, it's seasoned with salt. People are drawn in. Because they're getting their question answered. And you're doing it in a way where you're actually prepared and ready to, to respond to them. And we need that wisdom. We need that wisdom in the world today. And this can only be obtained by having a close relationship with Christ. Too many things that we see now today is we see a lot of controversial, divisive arguments that are happening. And, and sadly, it, it always comes back down to the heart. If we're walking continually with the Lord, you, you're, you should be able to answer someone in a godly manner. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, if this is an unbeliever, you should be able to answer them in a godly manner. You should be able to do that with, with a believer as well. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, and this is important, with meekness and fear. Fear and reverence of who? God. Meekness, remember, what did we talk about meekness was last week? Power under control. Power under control. He's like, you need to be ready to give a defense. Now, is that Pastor Mike supposed to be ready to give a defense? No, that's you. I can't. I mean, I, I'm ready, but you need to be ready too. He's like, why are you saved? You should be able to tell people why you have hope. And we'll get into that when we talk about sharing the gospel. So 
Sometimes what we do is we're too argumentative and we push people away when we're trying to share the gospel. We're not listening to them because we get, we get honed in on being right about one subject. And I see this all the time. If you ever see the debates where people are, they come up and ask questions and it's usually when, when the person who's Muslim asks a question about the Quran and that person's trying to answer and it just turns into an argument. And he tells them, no, 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 let's, let's meet out on the side of the stage. And I'll talk with you after. Because the guy's not hearing anything he has to say because he wants to be right about his, the Quran. And the guy told him, hey, look, that's not in there. <laughs> and this is what we're talking about. And this is where it says it in the Bible. He's prepared to, to argue the point in a way that's meekness because he has power under control. And he just tells them, hey, I'll meet you right off the side of the stage and we'll continue the conversation. And the other guy looks like he could fry an egg on his head. Because he's wanting, he's wanting to be right about the Quran. And so we have to be careful. Those guys, man, when you see those guys that actually, that actually do those type of question and answer things, oh my Lord, they got to be prayed up. Because I've seen where They've had people just come in and yell at them. There's no question. Then when they try to answer the one question they have, they just start yelling before they can even get the answer out. And, and so they're, they're very patient, and they're like, okay, well, if we can't come to a point where we can answer that question, let's go ahead and go to the next person. And, and that's, that's where it's at. But that's what Paul is saying. He's like, look, even for unbelievers, you need to be prepared to ab to be able to answer that question with grace and with salt. And that's what Peter was saying here. It's like you need to be prepared in meekness, in the fear, in the reverence of God. And so we don't want to waste opportunities to share the gospel. We need to take those opportunities when they come up. And we know that it's salt that was used as an offering in Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. It says, In every offering, your grain offering, you shall season it with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. It's like every time, it should be seasoned with salt. It was a, a, a part of the offering. It symbolized the covenant of God and His people. And so Paul is, is saying, look, this what we do should be seasoned with that same salt. It gave flavor to what they were sacrificing. And putting on to be cooked. It's like it's, it's that, that flavor. It preserves the flavor. It makes you want to eat more. How many of us just get steak and all you want is what? Salt and pepper. If it's a good piece of meat, that's all it needs. It has all the sea, everything that you need. And if, if you've ever been to Hawaii, all you need is a little bit of Hawaiian salt. Man, and that meat is so good. So good. But we need to remember that for us, salt is what sustains our life. It's, it's the continual relationship. That's why we were talking about the importance of the Word of God in our lives and, 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 and understanding that what we do is not just a religious activity. You know, Jesus said that in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Salt can't get its seasoning back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And for us, thank God we have grace through repentance and, 
and, and confession that we, we can re regain that salt. If you sin, you can regain that salt. But he tells you, look, it's it, one of these things is, is thrown out and is trampled underfoot. That's the only thing salt is good for at that point. It's to be used for the road for you to walk over it. We are to be the salt. And, and, and the salt preserves and enhances. It promotes thirst and it enhances and craves where people crave to, to be able to be around you. And that's what the culture needs more today. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Our word should be edifying. It should be building up. It should be full of grace. Think about it with, with, uh, with David's brothers. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. As David goes out to go give his brothers some food, right? And, and the giant's there. And David's ready to go. He, he, he's a young kid. He's ready to go fight. And his older brother gets into him in, verse 17, in chapter 17, verse 28. It says, Now Elab, his oldest brother, heard when he had spoke to the, to the men, and Elab's anger was arose against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have, have, have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You know, the sad thing is, is, is the pride that's being shown is the brothers, the older brothers. And, and what you notice in that is that, that Elab is, is angry with his brother David for coming down. But not only is he angry, he says something disparaging about his character. He goes after his character. Because he tells him, hey, aren't you, aren't you supposed to be with the sheep? How many sheep do you got? You only have a few. That's your one job that you got, David. That's where you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be here. He didn't realize his dad had sent him. He's doing what his father had told him to do. And yet, David's full of, full of fire. The one thing that we don't want to do is when you have somebody who's a new believer is when they're, they're on fire for God is you throw a bucket of water on them. And you try to put that fire out. David's ready to go. I mean, I, I love his heart and, and, and his heart is, is full of love and he has a heart for, after God. And there was truth and purity like he's ready to go and fight. But his brother... There was no salt in the speech that he gave. See, our words should be able to minister and help each other to have grace, to draw people closer to Christ. But Satan, of course, encourages speech that will tear down people and destroy them and destroy the work of God. And that's what we see with the brother. Because he went, he not only got upset, but he went after his character. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37, it says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you be uh, being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. He's talking about the religious leaders at the time. 
He says, a good man, uh, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word man may speak, they will give, uh, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Go ahead and turn to James chapter 3. We're going to be there for a bit. Every word you'll give account for. I had 22 years of a bad marriage. There are a lot of words I wish I could get back. A lot of things that were said I wish I could get back, even to my five kids. I'm looking forward to heaven, but not this. <laughs> I'm like, man, I said some things I wish, I, even to this day, I wish I could get back. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light and you'll find it. Uh, we hope that you enjoy today's broadcast. If you'd like to give to this ministry, uh, what I would always suggest is give to this radio station it's because of this radio station that we have great expository teachers uh, for you and I would say um, make that donation to them I hope that you have a wonderful wonderful day God bless you remember you can find us at calvarydivine.org calvarydivine.org God bless you